Hey listeners, fly to Florida and suck my dick, which is somehow also your dick. Because today we're reviewing... Oh, I know this episode has a dumb fucking name. What, what's the name of this episode again? Claw and Hoarder Special Rictims, Morty. Well, that makes this episode more fucked up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I only just put that together. Maybe don't tell your parents about this one. Wow, they really went for that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Toby. I'm Brandon. And we are joined today by our special guest star, Mr. Dan. Hello. <laughs> Uh, everyone, Dan is our sound mixer. He's also a good friend of Toby's, and that makes him a good friend of ours. <laughs> or your worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I was able to stay in his house for th- two or three days without him ever knowing I was there, which sounds a lot worse when, when you don't account for the fact <laughs> I was staying with Toby. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit. I didn't yeah, hit. Dan and I live together, which might be crucial information to prevent <laughs> you from thinking Brandon is a fucking weirdo. Oh, God forbid. Just in a stranger's house. <laughs> God I mean, forbid they think that. <laughs> it's very on brand for this episode, to be honest. Yeah, Dan was almost a special victim. Good God. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> also, Joseph couldn't join us today because he is busy fucking his dragon. Yes, let's go with that. Because Texas is a lawless wasteland. Somewhere in Texas, there's a sheriff yelling, You slut! (laughs) So, initial thoughts? Dan, what did you think? Oh boy, I kind of thought this episode was kind of garbage. For me, it's really the lack of... Like, the A and the B stories really didn't come together in really a satisfying way until the very, very end, and... Both of them didn't really have much of a payoff. It kind of seemed like they existed purely just to set up jokes. I feel that more so with the cat storyline than the dragon storyline. Like The dragon storyline, I think, felt a, a bit more like a Rick and Morty storyline than the cat one. I see what you mean about, like, they didn't have, like, the coming together. And also there wasn't, like, the larger, like, theme of similar to how we'd have in, like, the classics, like, the car battery episode or the Meeseeks episode of, like, purpose or existence and, like, the larger questions. We didn't really have that at all. It's just dragons fucking suck and fucking eat shit. I agree with both of you to some extent. And I think, like, the thing that was missing most for me from this episode is, like, just the classic Rick and Morty existential stakes. Not even in that they're discussing something existential, but just that this episode felt very low stakes. Like, they were... Yeah. And in the moment, the only moment where, like, the dragon's being hung and you're like, oh, I guess this is where Rick dies. It's just like, oh, no, don't worry. It takes 78 years to hang a dragon. (laughs) And then we're like... It's like when a vitamin's stuck in your throat. Yeah. (laughs) I'll summarize my thoughts like this. It did not have, like, the things that make Rick and Morty great. It was just, like, a series of jokes. But for the dragon storyline, they were really funny for part of it. Like, I I was laughing a lot for, I think, the second half. After the first soul bonding with Rick, I was laughing a good amount. Because, like, that was funny. Like, (laughs) it's funny in concept of, like, oh, soul bonding is sex. That's funny. That's like a big joke that can carry, like you can repeat that multiple times and it's still funny just because it's so ridiculous. Exactly. And it was, and they did it. They did repeat it again and again for like the remainder of the episode and the A story, but it took so long to get there. Yeah. And meanwhile, we kept cutting back to Florida cat, 
which apparently Florida Cat is space Dahmer. <laughs> the thing about that storyline is Rick is a character, as we all know, that commits genocide for breakfast. That's what he does. He doesn't give a fuck. He's destroyed entire universes before. Yes. And it means very little to him. Yet, (laughs) something this fucking cat had in its memories made him get this close, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm holding my fingers very close, to suicide. (laughs) Which, okay, that's another example similar to my complaint about the dragon storyline, about it takes so long to get to the meat of it. The cat storyline was not interesting to me until we get to the point where this cat has done something so terrible that Rick has to stop himself from killing himself. Yeah. Yeah, and then by that time, the story was over. That was Exactly, (laughs) yes. Not to mention, that is the nicest thing that Rick has ever done for Jerry. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That was the only part of the episode for me that really felt like classic Rick and Morty just because Jerry has been asking the whole time but all he's done is ask and then let it go and then ask again Rick actually takes action to find out why this cat can talk because he has to know everything and he paid like once he saw it he didn't want to but that's like kind of a good metaphor for his character like he has to know everything at any cost Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I I very much agree with that. But yeah, I I also agree. That's like such a Rick and Morty thing of like the price of knowledge. That's literally the thing that led to the entire Morty's Mind Blowers episode is Morty knows everything. The truth tortoise. Yeah. What if that's what the truth tortoise told Morty? What the cat did? Wasn't there some analysis of of what the truth tortoise actually said? Like the, the words that it was saying to Morty and it's like... I think it's like some Beatles conspiracy rehearsed or reversed. Oh, that's right. Is it Paul is dead? Please tell me it's not Paul is dead. <laughs> yup. It says, I'm a Beatle, Paul is oh dead. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do either of you have any thoughts um, as to what Rick and Jerry saw in the cat's memories? There was something about a child crying. I heard that much, but I'm going to guess space genocide, but with a twist. Does a twist mean a hand job? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a a hand bond. I'm going to say that whatever it is, if it were ever revealed, it's probably going to be something like you see whatever you need to see that would freak you out the most. Because, like, genocide, like you said, like, Rick doesn't care about that. Like, it has... I can't imagine anything much worse than that. So, I think it has to be something super specific to whoever looks in its brain. That is a very Rick and Morty way of thinking about this, I have to say. Like, Jerry saw something completely different than Rick. Interesting. I just like the idea that, like, they finally reveal to the audience, and it's just, like, someone putting the toilet paper on the roll backwards. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) I let him in my house. (laughs) I don't know. That that is a very interesting theory. Not the toilet paper backwards thing. Fuck you, (laughs) But, no, it's an interesting theory that it's kind of like the Miravera set of just, like, it depends on who's looking in it. At the same time, then Rick just erased Jerry's memory for nothing. Yeah, that'd be really cool. 
I doubt they'll ever reveal it. This is definitely going to be one of those things that's never mentioned again. Similar to the, the whole planet's on a cob. Go, go, go. go. See, that's funnier because they never mentioned it again. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. That's the best part of the joke. I don't know. I, I have a suspicion that I hope they don't do this. I really hope they don't do this, but... Rick says at one point, ooh, gotta go take care of that cat thing. Big season finale coming up. I don't know if that means it's like, okay, we gotta get rid of this storyline before the season finale, or if that means that the cat's gonna play into the season finale. And I really hope the cat does not. Do you think it's possible that it could have just been a mistake where they like meant to include that in like episode 5 or 10, depending on their definition of a season finale? <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I was also puzzled by that line. I just have to throw this out there. The cat's voiced by Matthew Broderick. Yes. Matthew Broderick voiced Simba. He has gone down so far in rankings of cats (laughs) that he is voicing. He was the king of the jungle, and now he's a cat that commits space pedophilia or something terrible. Keeping in theme with the episode, what if it's just a horrible pornographic display of, like, the Lion King characters? Oh, God. Or something to do with, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something. What, Ferris Bueller's Jack Off? Yes, precisely. <laughs> Careful, Brandon, you're getting too clever for this podcast. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but for me, the Florida jokes just felt like, ah, uh, ha, 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 like, yeah, we get it, Florida is terrible. But, like, it, it, I never, I didn't, don't think I laughed at a single one. Yeah, the Florida jokes were kind of lazy. You go yeah. to Florida because no one asks questions. They play volleyball and I forget what else. And do cocaine. Yeah, the Florida... Uh. Do either of you guys watch Big Mouth? I've seen the first couple seasons. This most recent season, I don't know if it was three or four, but they had an episode which just makes fun of Florida and it, it goes to the wall. Florida is a land of tsunamis and earthquakes because it's such a piece of shit as it literally collapses in on itself. And like, it just goes so over the top. That was funny to me because when you already have something that's ridiculous, you need to either heighten the ridiculousness of it or take it away, not just keep saying it's ridiculous. And I felt like Rick and Morty just refused to like commit one way or the other here. That is fair. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, that is a really good point. Also, this is comes a little bit full circle to what we were talking about before. Given the debauchery that Florida is known for, I feel like they could have very easily tied in the A story and the B story here in a pretty interesting way, but they just didn't. Yeah, like like you have a sex-addicted dragon. If you tie that together with the other storyline of the only place that a sex-addicted dragon is going to find a home is Florida... That's at least a bit more funny to me than it's completely separate. I think they may have hinted at it when, like, the dragon and the cat at the end, like, kind of talked it out. A little bit, but also at that point, I just kept wondering, why does the cat still want to go back to Florida? I thought the whole point was that it didn't want to be in Florida anymore. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. The cat was, like, sad on the beach with Jerry, and they were both like, okay, Florida sucks, we're going to leave now, and now <laughs> the cat wants to go back to Florida? Maybe the cat thought that Florida sucks because he was with Jerry. <laughs> that, that, is, that, that makes that, sense. That, that is fair. <laughs> Do you guys have any more you want to hash out about the B story, or because I feel we've been shitting on this episode a fair amount, and I feel like it was. I liked it more than last week's episode, which was... Oh, 100%. Actually um, one bit. No, I'm just getting out all, like, my complaints out of my system before we get to dragon sex, which I honestly found really, really funny. Especially, like, the first time the dragon is whipped by the wizard. It's called a slut. That was gold. That's some repression, uh, sexual repression at play right there. 
Also, did y'all notice that when they are freeing uh, Balthrama from being hanged, when the wizard comes out, he's been watching wizard porn? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that, no. Wow. On his, like, portal in his office that he walks out of is a woman in a bikini and a wizard hat. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Good eye. That's that's fucking hilarious. I feel like that's a little bit of commentary because it's just like everyone who's committed to making sure that no one partakes in quote-unquote deviant sexual behavior. They're just jerking off in their own home like everyone else anyway. Actually, this ties back to the whole uh, joke that Rick makes at the start of the episode of dragons are for nerds who don't want to admit they're Christian. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I took personal offense to. Fuck you, Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> also, I feel like this is Rick and Morty calling out like nerd culture for being uh, at least parts of it are like very hypersexualized. No disagreements here. <laughs> That's a good commentary that they could make. I didn't think about that. It's not like the most hard hitting commentary they've made, but it's there to some extent. Oh yeah, this was definitely made for like the fans that there is overlap with in other like parts of nerddom. Which is, let's be honest, probably 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> Quickly before we get into the dragon sex, we should give a shout out to the writer of this episode who is, who is actually new to the show. This is his first episode that he's written. Oh. His name is Jeff Loveness. And he's coming to the show from Jimmy Kimmel. Wow. Oh, good for him. Yep, he was a writer on Jimmy Kimmel for years, it looks like. He also, like, wrote some material for the Oscars and apparently was an actor on The Office before that, very briefly. Nice. I think that kind of clarifies it a bit for me, because... Some of the jokes definitely felt like Jimmy Kimmel jokes. Which ones? I could see the dragon stuff like being like a Jimmy Kimmel bit. You slut! Maybe He's not like that. He's like finally allowed to really let loose as much as he wants because he couldn't on network TV. Yep. Yeah, the next episode of Jimmy Kimmel is just him whipping Matt Damon. You slut! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. On top of the, which I think is 100% correct, the, uh, this is a love letter or like a commentary to like other overlap fans with other parts of nerddom. I think also this was like a shout out to the Harmon Quest fans. Ooh, 100%. And also roasting them for being hypersexual nerds. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that is a very Dan Harmon thing to do. Simultaneously, like, fuck with your fan base while shouting them out. If we can't torture our enemies and also jerk them off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, we're I no was, better than them. <laughs> I was totally thinking about that. Who voiced the uh, wizard? I think it was Dan Harmon. Oh, shit, was it? I think so. Oh, uh, I, I can I'm, actually... I'm that actually kind of makes sense in retrospect. I'm also curious who voiced the dragon. I, I thought it was Patrick Stewart. Liam Cunningham. Oh my god! Davos in Game of Thrones. Wait, what? Oh my god. That, oh, oh that just made god. it so much better. That just made it so much better. <laughs> oh god, and now, and now, and now I, that you've said it, I totally see oh it. Oh yeah. Wow, I didn't know who Davos was, and I just looked up a picture, and I fucking do now. Yep. Holy yes. shit. That's awesome. That is so good. What about a quick hand bond? <laughs> <laughs> I totally would expect that Patrick Stewart would be totally down for this. He voiced the shit emoji in the emoji movie. He voices a regular character on American Dad. He's done, like, bits on Family Guy. That's right, he has. 
including like playing himself. And this was my favorite bit he did where he was like playing himself and he was like, looked like he was asleep. Then he like jerks awake and says, you thought I was sleeping, didn't you? Acting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, remember he did the the narration for uh, Seth MacFarlane's Ted movie. Oh my God, he did. Remember Brandon Routh. From that god-awful Superman movie. Thanks for getting our hopes up and taking a giant shit on us. (laughs) So, dragon sex. (laughs) Thoughts? That somehow was funny the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they kept taking it to new levels. It literally started with, oh, God, why does it feel better that now that you're here? I hope it's not because you're watching, but don't look away. It started there. <laughs> started there. That's where we started. And then it got into the group sex thing and the wizard porn. And it, they really did not stop beating this dead dragon. I have a logistics question about this. When a dragon's, like, soul bonding with someone else, is it just, like, do they have to reach a certain level of comfort with the other person before they can do it? I don't think so, because, like, Morty was a... I don't want to say that he was an unwilling participant in being, in soul bonding. Yes, but he, he do. wasn't. He, was he not. wasn't quite there. <laughs> he wasn't there yet. He was not comfortable, and it was awkward. <laughs> I think the grossest part was his face. He, like... Because the second it started, he was just like, oh, no. And then and then as soon as he, he, like, felt what was happening, he, like, started, like, getting into Morty O-Face, which was... Basically what happens when he stood on true level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lambs to the cosmic slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that bit was so good. I don't think it, like, requires, like, a certain level of comfort. I think it just requires a level of willingness. Even a hand bond. <laughs> I like doing it. Also, does that mean the beam of magic comes out of the dragon's hand, or... Is it not as good as a soul bond just because they're using their hands? They have to make, like, awkward eye contact. Is there, like, an over-the-pants hand bond? <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole oh. time you're thinking, yeah, this is good, but you know what I really You know want. what I really... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Donald Glover. Damn. <laughs> exactly. Damn. Somehow the bit was funny throughout, but so fucking weird. That is why we watched the the show. show. That is absolutely why. (laughs) Rick, like, cooked up a proton pack kind of thing. I don't know if it shot electricity or magic or whatever. I think it just shot magic. Rube Goldberg'd up a thing to charge it, and Morty just got a spell book. I thought that was, like, pretty spot on for their, like, their roles in their adventures, because Morty's just perfectly comfortable running around, casting spells. That was also the moment where the whole time I was just like, oh, Dan Harmon, I know why you did this. I know, I I know, I've watched Harmon Quest, I know. It's interesting to think about, like, which parts of the episode were Justin and which were all Dan. What parts do you think were Justin? Because I'm not sure. Maybe the dragon who was like, yeah, we we like to stay down here and fuck woolly mammoths. (laughs) Yeah, that woolly mammoth bit was 100% him, even though it's way smaller than you. (laughs) Well, we know who's the top there. I'm thinking the wizard porn was him, too. And the repeated mentions of when Rick is trying to explain what it feels like to be hanged through a soul bond. You know when you have something caught in your throat? Yeah, yeah, we get it. Like when you drink too much orange juice. What was the name of the old slut dragon? Because he had a specific name, and I can't remember what it was. Oh. When he emerged from his masturbation cave. You haven't emerged from your masturbation cave in eons. I'm going to just look it up. (laughs) 
Shadow Jacker. <laughs> Shadow Jacker. Oh my god. With a dildo on his staff. <laughs> I only found this funny when I watched it for a second time, but when Rick was just like, oh, who's this mysterious character? Then he's like, I grew tired of jerking off to your voices. He's just like, God, a little more mystery would be nice. Also, I just <laughs> noticed the staff. Yeah. <laughs> I, that uh, surprised me, because that was the first part I noticed. Yeah, why did it take them so long to get to dragon sex? Well, you can't blow your load all at once, you know? Apparently you can. <laughs> I feel like they knew that there was only so long they could keep the joke going, and to get it earlier would just be to beat it into the ground more than they already did. Uh, kind of like the, you son of a bitch, I'm in. I feel like what might have been a better way to go about this episode would have been if the reason why Morty is just, like, done with the dragon at the beginning is if the dragon, like, tries to soul bond with him and he's like, whoa, no, not okay with this. So we learn early on dragons are, like, a sexual thing. So we get that twist early, but Rick's okay with it. That's really good. I would love to have seen that. Because as it is, it's currently just like the dragon's bored of Morty, as opposed to Morty like realizes, oh shit, like Morty never has the moment of just like dragons are too much. He just gets jealous. And that's why he tears up the contract. But like if we had that earlier of just like, whoa, owning a dragon means I have to fuck it. Okay, maybe I'm not good with this. Also, I just realized Donkey and the Dragon from Shrek soul bonded. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Crossing over. Did that happen in like Shrek 3 or something? No, they had babies at the end of Shrek 2. What? Yeah, they had mutant babies. Donkey Dragon hybrid babies. I don't know how Donkey did that, but Oh, that's what you meant. Oh, I thought you were talking about Donkey and Shrek fucking. That's not, that's not the first time it's been suggested, I promise you. Yes, but not as part of, like... As part of canon. <laughs> the internet is a dark place. That's what Rick saw in, in the cat's memory. Just the internet. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god, it's so green. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple reasons why I liked last week's episode more than this week's episode. This is something that I, I, I was gonna bring up. Ooh. Dan liked the uh, last week's episode more than we did. You um, son of a bitch, I'm in. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So... Yeah, I'm glad we're discussing this. For me, it made me realize just how much I knew heists were stupid, but I didn't really think about it until... Like, I think the entire point of the episode was that it was kind of beaten into the ground because heists have been beaten into the ground. And when you realize at the end that Rick committed genocide just to get Morty to think that heists are stupid, I can't think of many <laughs> more, like, Rick and Morty things than that. And watching it on a second time, I was laughing a lot. Like, just the individual jokes and one of the best Rick one-liners of all time, which is, every breath I take without your permission boosts my self-esteem. I don't know. Kind of like one of my complaints about this episode, it felt like so long before we got to what was actually happening. And in the meantime, we were just, like, kind of doing the same things again and again. Because, like, I get what you're saying about it, like, showing how stupid heist movies are. But I got it so much faster than I felt like they gave me credit for. Sure. Like, I got there after, like, the third or fourth time that they, like, kind of went through the joke. But, yeah, I felt like it just, like, kept on going. So after a certain point, I was just like, okay, I get it. Heist movies are stupid. But maybe I was already on board with that. So maybe I'm the wrong demographic. <laughs> I knew I didn't really care for them. I just didn't know why. And the Dan Harmon as, like, Heistatron, when he's delivering, like, he's, like, 
oh, here's that pizza you ordered and it's time to leave before they get wise in a robot voice was just, it hit the spot for me. That was way funnier watching it a second time. I think I was like in a little bit of shock the first time I watched the episode because I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I definitely thought that was funny the first time, especially because it's just like, here's that pizza you ordered, crush this entire city with pizza. (laughs) (laughs) What does one do with the core of a planet, once you've heisted it, that is? I don't know if Rick programmed it that far. So where's the core of that planet? Maybe it needed it to build its giant, stupid space station thing. Which was actually, like, that was a pretty good sci-fi concept that I hadn't seen illustrated anywhere, like watching a projected sky and your planets are in this giant prison. I mean, Flat Earthers have imagined it before, but I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) That was the demographic for this episode. (laughs) Flat earthers. Regardless of results, because like it's been mixed results this season with some of the episodes. I am very happy with to see that Rick and Morty is like experimenting and putting themselves out there a bit. Jim Jeffries has a bit where he says he wants there to not be an afterlife because if he spent his whole life being a good person and went to heaven, it doesn't matter that it's eternal paradise. It's eternal. Eventually, you'll get used to it and you'll be bored. It has to change. And I can feel like the Rick and Morty like production side of everything trying to figure out what do we need to be following what we were. That's a very good point. They're, they know the essential building blocks of what people like about Rick and Morty. And just because they all don't come together perfectly every time doesn't mean they're not worth watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Like you always laugh at the jokes. At least one or two of them are really, really good. Sometimes the plot is good. Sometimes there's an emotional payoff. It's just like they, they had a perfect balance the first couple of seasons. But I also think like the premiere of this season was unlike anything we'd seen from Rick and Morty. And it was still like one of the best episodes I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. I rewatched it the other night with uh, some friends who hadn't seen it yet. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that besides the very first episode of the season, all these episodes have been written by newcomers. The first one is written by a favorite of our show, uh, Mike McMahon. The second one was written by Michael Waldron, who I don't believe had written an episode before. Then uh, Katie Delaney wrote Joseph's favorite episode two weeks ago. And now we have Jeff Loveness. These are all new writers. Like, they're getting new blood in the room. That's interesting to me. I do like that... Like, I, I kind of got this in a couple of episodes of season three, too. Like, I thought, like, the Blood Dome Mad Max episode was a real mixed bag. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was the same thing. Like, I haven't, like, all the episodes of season two were kind of the same. They followed pretty much the same formula. And it's around, yeah, around season three where, I mean, we got some duds, but they constantly are at least letting new ideas in so that Rick and Morty, like, so that two people can't decide what Rick and Morty is for the rest of eternity. Yeah, it's a good point. Do you guys want to talk about our favorite joke from the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Y'all go first. I mean, my guess is that we're all going to have the same one. Shadow Jacker <laughs> emerging from his masturbation <laughs> cave was kind of hilarious. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, I think the thing that made me laugh the hardest was when they start the 10-way orgy soul bond with the seven dragons and Summer, Morty, and Rick. And three related humans. <laughs> yeah. Like, while it's happening, Rick's just like, all right, probably don't tell your parents about this. <laughs> <laughs> 
For me, it's either Shadow Jack or <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or, I don't know, I, I also really like the spinal cord activate morphine. <laughs> that was great. That was yeah. good. I don't know, there was a ton of small jokes throughout that I really enjoyed. Just like, bleed here, I'm not co-bleeding. Oh, that yeah. was that's my favorite. That right there was good. Yep. It was a ton of good jokes throughout. I like the woolly mammoth. That was really good. Yes. Um, well, at least I'm not in a shit play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, then, that whole sequence was great. Dragons are for nerds who pretend won't admit they're not. Cr- oh, yeah, won't admit they're Christian. <laughs> this episode, like at least like based on like IMDb reviews from people, it has the lowest rank of this season. Really? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's a 7.9. Meanwhile, the first episode was a 9.2. Old Man in the Seat was 8.4. And One Crew Over the Cuckoo's Morty is 8.7. Interesting. But yeah, let's let's talk. So we got one more episode in this batch of five. Rattlestar Rick Lactica. Oh boy. Which, which features Morty getting bitten by a space snake, as yep. we've seen from the trailer. And yep. also the promo pictures. A space snake wearing a mini space suit. Oh my god. So I'm I'm really excited for that, but also I just realized there are episode descriptions for the for the next five of season four on IMDB. Oh, hell yeah. Let's talk about it. Like, yeah, for episode 4.6, we talked about this. It's Rick and Morty find a magic squirrel and travel to space where they do some over-the-clothes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Also, this could totally be somebody like trolling the shit out of every every super fan who goes on IMDb, but I don't really care because like it might be right. <laughs> Episode four point seven: Morty meets a new kid called Jack who's in love with an alien called Tom. Rick tries to save him when it turns out the alien isn't who he thinks. Okay, I'm I'm starting to doubt that this these are actual episode descriptions. It might be like that game where you like. You take the the plot of something and you form it into, like, the worst possible description. Star Wars Space Farmer blows up Robotic Moon. <laughs> Schindler's List is still my favorite one of those. Successful German businessman bankrupts company. <laughs> <laughs> Holy either that, shit. It's either that or Finding Nemo, which is when his child is locked up in a glass prison. A father sets out to rescue him with the help of a mentally ill woman. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, 4.8 Summer takes up knitting and when her scarf gets caught in the garage door it triggers a series of events leading up to the total destruction of the multiverse literally Mm. undoing the fabric of reality that could go either way 4.9 Morty exam season starts and gets busy with the them okay there's just so many typos in this that I don't believe it's real This is definitely a fan that just uploaded these, and now I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, because the descriptions always have bro with an H. Yeah. Always. Bruh. Wait, can random people just go on and, like, upload descriptions of, of unreleased shows? IMDb? Yep. Well, that's an oversight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, what else should we talk about? Kind of beat this episode to death. There's just not a whole lot to dissect about it, plot-wise and question-wise. There really isn't. I mean, like, we... Uh, we had, like, a good, uh, segment talking about the first episode of this season, specifically because we realized that Jessica had probably the most, like, wholesome character arc, where, like, her grandma dying and realizing, like, she knows what she wants to do with her life is care for old people in their final moments. Like, that was cool. That was a cool realization. But there wasn't really anything to that level here. No. 
Not even close. There weren't any ghost babies. There weren't any me-seeks. Why weren't there any ghost babies or any me-seeks? There was an incestual dragon orgy. What, do you, what more do you want? <laughs> more. <laughs> I want to see what the cat did. A dragon orgy, maybe. Also, wait, where was Beth this whole episode? Nowhere. Who's the voice actor? I know it's the woman from Scrubs. Who is the voice? Oh, wait, for the voice actor for... Something? Sarah Chalky. Ch- okay. So, yeah, yeah, she's uh, ba, 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 uh, Elliot in Scrubs. Oh, oh right. That was her character's but. name? Okay. Yeah. Toby, you still with us? I don't think he is. Me? Oh, for for fuck's uh-uh. sake. I, I fucking muted my phone to fart, god damn it. <laughs> and the best part is it's still on the recording, so enjoy that, listeners. <laughs> there was another joke that I liked when Summer goes, oh my god, it's my first gay wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. You are now scooper of your own poop. Don't you wish you could just say that to dogs? Every single day. Every single day, my giant 70-pound dog goes out to take a crap. I wish I could say to her, you're picking that up. (laughs) But I know that if I did, she would eat me. Sounds like you have a good relationship with your dog. There's this thing she does, like, right before I put the leash on her, where she, like, gives this little bow to me. That is literally the only time that I don't feel like I'm this fluffy creature's servant. (laughs) Every other time, who owns who here? Because one of us picks up the other's poop, and my poop is not getting picked up. Does your poop need to be picked up, Brandon? No, but it would be nice sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the Daily Squanch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be returning next week to review the fifth episode of season four of Rick and Morty, uh, Rattlestar Rick Lactica. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time. You can also find us being jerked off by a dragon in a back alley. In a back alley? I take pride in myself. It happens in my own goddamn home.